Hello. I can barely believe I'm saying these words, but welcome to the 200th episode of Soundtracking. 200? What? That is a lot of great guests, stories, creative insight, and perhaps most importantly, music from the world of film and television. Thank you so much to everybody who has contributed so far to soundtrack and both in terms of our guests, those people who help facilitate getting those guests on, um, all you lovely, lovely listeners, and most importantly, Ben, who works with me on the podcast, who I would not be able to do this without. So many, many thanks. And I'm absolutely delighted to be celebrating our birthday with a brilliant female composer, given that it's still an industry dominated by men. Pinner Toprak is a Turkish-American musician best known for her work on a really small video game called Fortnite and Captain Marvel. She joined me from her home in the US to discuss all manner of things from the CD that inspired her to pursue a career in film scoring to the industrious way in which she landed the Captain Marvel gig. And it's with a cue from that movie that we begin. Why do you fight? I'm so excited to to have you with us, Pinner. So grateful for your time. Um, such a fan of what you do. And it's always just so wonderful. And I hate that it's actually a thing, but talking about female composers, it feels like something that we have to still make an effort to try and talk about or get to, you know, get the chance to talk to sort of thing. Um, and so it's wonderful to have you on. Thank you. Do you mind if I kind of go back and, and ask you why you wanted to be or what it was that that made you want to get into the world of composing? Sure. I grew up in Istanbul in the 80s (laughs) and um, I started studying music at a pretty young age. My my father actually realized even before I did. I just, I don't remember a time where music wasn't like part of my life. And then films, it was right around the same. I mean, I I grew up, my my dad loved... um, loved films and, you know, Hollywood films and Westerns and whatnot. So it was just the, the background of my childhood, that and soccer games. So the love and the intrigue was there. I just genuinely didn't even know that that was like a job title, you know, uh, that it was even available. But music, you know, I was at a conservatory at a really young age. I started uh, playing the violin and I hated playing the violin. I love writing for it now, but it wasn't my instrument. And then... Um, got my degree in classical guitar and but all throughout I was in love with films and I would even record the soundtrack you know with my Walkman and listen back to the soundtrack 
And then I realized you could actually buy the soundtrack separately. And that was like, (laughs) 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 Um, so the love was there. And then I started, you know, researching the schools that I could possibly go and do. And, but everybody was telling me it's it's just a waste of a degree. (laughs) You know, if you study film scoring, uh, you're not going to be able to get a job doing this. Because, I mean, truthfully, there weren't that many examples. I couldn't tell people, hey, I'm going to be like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I could see where they were coming from as well. But I wanted to come here. I knew the first step was, okay, I wanted to, I wanted to go to America. I was going to figure that out. And I knew I wanted to go to Berkeley College of Music. Two reasons. One, I, I also love jazz very much. And I knew that they have a film scoring program as well. I wanted to enroll in film scoring. I didn't know English when I first moved here. I was barely 17 years old. I actually lived in Wisconsin, believe it or not. So imagine Istanbul to Wisconsin, and I don't eat cheese. So that's like you know, some really <laughs> weird thing to be in the dairy capital of the world. <laughs> it's like a great film uh, script right there. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But like, can you imagine? Like, I'm leaving Istanbul. Finally, it's happening. I'm on the plane. I'm in Wisconsin. Hello, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, my dad didn't really, you know, but they didn't have the money for anything. So he was like, okay, go live with your brother for a year. Because he was actually a student there. And learn English and figure out a way to go to college. And if you do, you know, you got my blessing. So I was like, okay, I got a year to figure this out. I finished high school, the conservatory when I was 60. So I I had that year of buffer kind of. So I came and stayed with my brother and learned English <laughs> somewhat. I'm still learning. It's a slow process. And, um, and I applied to Berkeley. I got in and then that was like half the battle because I'm like, okay, how am I going to actually pay for this thing? Uh, I got some scholarships and it was just a really crazy time. I finally, I finished Berkeley in two years. Thank God for European music education system I tested out of a lot of the classes and whatnot um so but there's actually a story with how i finally became a film scoring major and i'm going to show you something Uh, when i started berkeley i was a piano performance major because everybody was telling me that i'd be super dumb you know it's like now you work so hard to get here you're going to completely waste a degree if you study film scoring i believed them and then by about a month two months into school i was miserable because i just really didn't want to perform I got out of the piano practice rooms, went into Tower Records, and I was listening to, you know, CDs, which is, you know, before the days of YouTube, whatever, Spotify, you have to listen to, you know, the listening booths. So I started listening to this soundtrack, Prince of Egypt, that had just come out. So this is 98 fall. And um, I couldn't, I was just mesmerized by the soundtrack. I couldn't let it go and I was broke. I literally had about $20 left to my name that I had to survive on for like three days. Um, I couldn't let go of the soundtrack and I bought it and I listened to it all night long. 
didn't sleep at all. I was literally waiting for the school office to open. And then I went there. I was the first person there. I changed my major to film porn. And this is what I'm going to show you. Was that soundtrack? Oh my God, Hans Zimmer score. Amazing. So the case is a little worn out and everything, but so I have not written a single note of music. That's amazing. Um, yeah, 22 years. Wherever I moved, I have not written any music without the CD next to it. It's a constant reminder of that one decision that can change the entire course of your life. I'm skipping a lot of chapters and I'm also talking too much at the same time, which is weird. But um, <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> oh no, it's great. I love it. You're, you're the dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's an incredible story. That's wonderful. And you know what's brilliant as well is that is the diversity of what you've worked on so far. And we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But weirdly, we've been, um, we recently uh, got Disney Plus, you know, at home. The kids are on, we're on lockdown and I've got two boys. So have you, how old are yours? Next week, 12 and 14. Yeah. No way. So mine's will be 12 in two weeks and then a seven-year-old. So yeah. So um, they, um, you know, it was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. This is hours of entertainment in one thing. Um, and my seven-year-old is obsessed with the short film Pearl. He absolutely loves it. And I um, I just, I re- when I was coming to chat to you, I was like, I, I, and, I, and you've done the score for You did the score for it. Mm-hmm, I did. short film it's so great how was that it was amazing I mean I've always wanted to work on anything by Pixar because I've been telling everybody that they've been spelling my name wrong all these years Um, (laughs) so I finally wanted to correct that but that didn't work out it was an amazing experience and what was wonderful about it is that it's not really common that you know you get a full big band and they let you loose with the full very jazzy big band score these days and this happened with Pearl so you know speaking about you know my love of jazz it's just you know it hasn't happened all these years occasionally I would have little things little you know but this was like completely embracing the genre and going for it
is really, really fun. And the whole the subject matter and everything, and it's pretty controversial for a Pixar short also. You know, there are a couple of words and things that you, don't, you haven't really heard in Pixar shorts before. So it was amazing. And uh, the themes are all approved by my kids. So when I wrote the themes, this is, this is how I do it. I, no kidding. I did this with Captain Marvel too. I write the theme and I go and sing it to them. And if they remember it the next day, it stays. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your boys must be kind of like dining out on the fact that their mum's the composer for Fortnite as well. I mean, that's just like, oh yeah, the coolest kids in the world anyway. Do you know what I mean? That's awesome. Okay, so the funny thing is when I was working on Fortnite, it wasn't as big as it was because I was, you know, this is all pre-release stuff. So I had the codes for them to, you know, play with. And they're like, oh, no, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a cool thing. Anything I work on is not cool until it's acknowledged by others. So, <laughs> and, you know, it became, the, the game became too huge. And I was like, you had the codes all along before everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your mother. Listen, she speaks the truth. <laughs> is it, because that's one thing that I really want to kind of learn a lot more about is is uh, because we speak to various people who have you know worked in in the gaming composing world and stuff and is it different is it a different approach in terms of how you work what are the differences if there are any technical differences uh because you're not other than the cinematics and certain things that are written in a linear form everything else you have to think and write in layers in a way that can be looped and can get uh, kind of can get bigger or smaller depending on gameplay. So you think more in chunks and intensity and you know, you, you're still thinking about the storytelling and where it could go. Uh, that part is similar, but the technicalities of it, they're, they're a bit different. How did you get into gaming, into to composing on games? For games, so I've done two and both of them came to me. I, I love games very much. I'm, I grew up with an older brother I had a Commodore 64, I had an Amiga, I actually did the whole Prince of Persia, finished and saved the princess, and I had no friends. Very sad. <laughs> but I, it's just like, I wouldn't even really know starting out, like how to apply for them. You know, my attention was in films and both just kind of came to me uh, in, in various forms. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Fortnite is just this, it's a phenomenon, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Like how huge it became is, is really, really unbelievable. It's great. It's kind of bonkers to think about how many people in the world, you know, are, are listening to your music. Your music is in their world. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. Just <laughs> oh, come on. Um, you mentioned Captain Marvel. Um, congratulations on, on your work on that film. It's, I love it. I think it's an extraordinary film and it was really nice because I got a chance to speak really briefly actually to um, Anna and Ryan when they were here in the UK for the, the premiere with Brie and a few of the others. And they're a really brilliant duo, you know, in terms of the way that they, they work. I love that, that they kind of both have their strengths that together it's this kind of synergy, which is such a, a brilliant way of working. Tell me a little bit about, about the, the, the journey on, on Captain Marvel and the, and the conversations around how you would work on the sign for that film because there's a lot of needle drops in there as well. And, but the thing that the score does brilliantly as well is it blends so beautifully with, with, with everything else but also has a real purpose and a place. Thank you. 
Um, yeah, it was important for me at first, you know, before I start writing the specific scenes, I write suites of ideas. So they're just kind of like long form um, writing and it helps everyone get on the same kind of place uh, in terms of, you know, what the themes are, what the sound's going to be. And I wrote three suites and one was um, called the Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers suite, basically just a general sound and then another one for the Cree and another one for the scrolls uh, because it was also important to figure out you know what you think are the good guys turn out to be bad guys and so forth so how you know it, it needed to be you know whatever I was going to come up with it needed to kind of move into either direction and same thing with Carol's theme and and I also wanted to make sure that we have a distinct sonic difference between what happens outside of earth you know Hala has a very different sound And, you know, from all of that, you go into blockbuster, <laughs> you know, you're very much in the 90s. Um, so it was important for me to really create that distinction. And then when we were in full on 90s mode, I wanted to embrace it. So um, like one of the scenes, um, there's a train chase scene. And I was like, okay, let's just completely embrace like the 90s cop sound here. And it was like lethal weapon-ish sound uh, here and there and um, it was really really fun I mean you know to be able to have all of that you know in your canvas that you can play with it was, was a lot of fun.
point did you start work on it? Were had they had they started filming? Had they finished filming? Or you know, were you able to to see stuff, read a script? So um, the process was I I demoed for the film while they were shooting. Um, and that's a whole process with Marvel. You have to go through and, you know, sign your firstborn away and that kind of thing, <laughs> and, you know, which was no problem. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's, they go through, you, know, you go through like severe security thing. And then, so I went and read the script there. That was my first introduction. And then I'm trying to remember everything because you can't write anything down. It's like, it's, it's insane. The security. Yeah, it was crazy. So that was like my first introduction, trying to remember the film from the script. And then they gave me two previous scenes, uh, which are, you know, the scenes that are not shot yet. So they kind of look like a little video game version of the film. Mm-hmm. And so those were the two scenes that I was going to audition with. And I wanted to make an impact. I went and hired a 70-piece orchestra because I figured like they're not I'm not going to be in the room with everybody you know they're giving me the shot but who knows how many else are going to do this I want them to remember me and even if they even if I don't get this one I want them to remember me for the next one kind of make that impact and also you know you send a piece of music and it can sound brilliant and epic but sometimes you know people don't know how that gets done almost like this music fairy <laughs> kind of delivers the music you know so I wanted to showcase like that I can actually handle the orchestra and all of those things and the best way for me to show that was to hire the orchestra to conduct it so I did that and I hired a whole media crew nobody knew what we were doing I called the pieces demo one demo two and they're like this is a big demo and then I also did another video and I just talked to the camera like a you know actor's self-audition tape talking about you know what Captain Marvel means to me and what I'm envisioning and so forth. And I sent that off. So that was essentially the first thing that I've ever scored on Captain Marvel. And a bit of that previs still remains in the original, in, in the actual film. Which bit? Uh, it's, the, it's the cue called Breaking Free on the soundtrack. Uh-huh. It's the scene where she's breaking free basically from the scrolls and then you know, flies off the earth. Other than that, once I got hired, and I waited for the you know, the footage to come in, basically, so I would see her off cut, and then we just kind of evolved from there. Do performances influence what you write? You know, in terms of the the emotion that the performances are conveying, does that influence 
how or what you write or or, or, or the instrumentation. I, I don't know, you know, almost that idea that that with themes there are certain instruments that are involved, you know, in terms of how it sounds. Um, and so sometimes a performance can almost kind of suggest something, I guess, maybe. Absolutely. And I was just actually just having this conversation with someone recently. As much as I love being involved early on, which I, it's really valuable to be involved early on, what happens when you actually see the film come to life with the performances and with the colors and just the, the, the editing, the pace and everything, and especially in a sci-fi film, the visual effects and everything, it really impacts how you see and how you feel about the, the film and just how it breathes. So however you start, it usually is, is a bit different, quite different by the time I'm done with it, you know, with everything. Because it's like reading a book and then, you know, you have you imagine a certain thing in your head and then you watch the film and sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not. But it's, it is usually never the same, you know. Uh, so it's... Um, it's that process. I, I get inspired and I just like, breeze performance and everybody. And just for me, the, just the tempo of how the cut is put together, how it breathes, um, that's really inspiring. And, you know, like I said, just even the colors and everything else, uh, cinematography and everything. So there's a reason why all of those elements are important. So they, they all kind of cross influence each other. When you are starting to write, do you have, do you, I mean, I see a couple of keyboards behind you. Do you, is the piano how you start? The piano is right there. <gasps> oh, wow, look at that. Oh my God, that's beautiful. Oh, lush. And Mozart is right there. Yeah, I was going to say his head's there, just looking at you. You've got Hans Zimmer's score on one side. You're, he's, he's there and then Mozart on the other. I call him Mozzi. Um <laughs> We go way back. <laughs> I usually, you know, it, it, it depends, you know, sometimes thematically it doesn't even happen in the studio. Um, I take walks. I love taking walks. And for me, coming up with the tune, you know, is something I can sing. And not every project is not like that. You know, there are certain projects that's just a lot you know, more sonically dense and it's not, it's not meant to be super thematic. It's just more sound design and that kind of thing. But anything that requires that more traditional approach or, or a theme, a lot of times it doesn't even happen here. I love to sail. <laughs> you know, sometimes it happens out in the ocean. Uh, a lot of times when I'm walking, I mean, Captain Marvel theme I came up when I was walking.
and then just playing the piano too. I just, I fiddle around with it. Um, I have another screen over there. So while I'm playing the piano, I can see. And it's weird, like even though I have, and my piano is even connected to, to my rig here, I can record from there. But I'm so like the whole Walkman idea is still very much there. So I have my voice memo and I just record on the voice memo as I'm playing. And because I almost feel like it's, it's weird, like I can't record because then I get self-conscious. But if I'm just like Im- just doing improv <laughs> stuff um, and then listen back, I'm like, oh, that doesn't suck so much. So and then <laughs> you know, I build on to that. I love that. I'm going to flip back a bit as well, because when you were talking earlier about you know, your dad sort of having loads and loads of films, was there a point where you really, or, 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 fil- or a couple of films in particular, where the music did really resonate with you and did really kind of make a, an impact and sort of stay with you? There are several f- films in different times of my life. I think probably one of the first ones, the first one I, that I knew what it was and who the composer was, was Superman. Love Superman, the film, Superman's score, everything about, and you know, uh, that made a huge impact. But then there were also a lot other films that I didn't know who the composer was really at the time. I just remember loving them and being mesmerized by them, and then learning later on. Ennio Morricone, John Barry, there's so many scores, Jerry Goldsmith, you know, because it's, it was before the days of looking things up. You know, um, and I, I just remember loving things and then like not knowing, I'm like, oh, that's that person. I love that for such a long time. But yeah, John Williams is a huge inspiration. Ennio Morricone is a huge inspiration. Um, and just classical music in general. I listen to a lot of classical music and jazz. So, yeah. I am. Um, I just watched first an episode of The Eddie, this new thing on Netflix that Damien Chazelle's you know, his, the, with whiplash and stuff and the, his world of jazz. Because I, I wasn't really kind of, didn't really know that much about jazz, but weirdly combination of whiplash and Birdman and the way that jazz was used in those films really made me kind of like, oh, maybe I do like jazz. You know, it's kind of really, really interesting that it took almost kind of like a film's interpretation and inclusion of that genre of music to make me kind of pay attention and, and take notice. And a lot of old films as well. I was looking back at an old Shirley MacLaine film and then some like at Hot recently as well. And jazz was such a big influence and part of those, all that kind of really old school Hollywood vibe. Yeah. And I love that. I, I love those big sweeping scores now, obviously. It's not very common, but those unapologetically, if I could only speak, emotional and sweeping scores, they're wonderful. Well, I guess because almost back, you know, back then before the technologies was there, the way that they recorded score was with a big orchestra in a big room. Whereas now, you know, we kind of weirdly like as 
great as technology is sort of thing, sometimes it can almost kind of not ruin things, but it's kind of like, you know, when you said about Captain Marvel and, and that piece to audition for, you really, you've got a 70 piece orchestra in a room to bring your music to life and really give it an energy. Is that, is that how you always try and strive to, to record stuff is in, in that kind of grandeur sort of setup? Um, well, when it's appropriate, you know, it depends on the project, but there's something, I mean, you, you hit it right now, like there's so many reasons right now as composers, we do, we record things separately because they want to have control over the mix, you know, so you want the, they want the percussion, strings, brass, whatever necessary separately. And obviously there's, um, there's a need for that sometimes too, and that can be very useful and very practical. But Captain Marvel, we recorded everybody in the room together, and that the actual score is an piece orchestra. put 90 people together in a room at Abbey Road it's magical I can't even describe it it's like and then everybody feels that I mean I get like teary I just just like thinking back at it because uh, it was one of the most remarkable I just I, I don't have words for it it's like it's as close to another parallel universe as you can get and that energy when you have everybody in the room play they play differently you know, rather than just doing a strings only session and then not knowing what the brass is going to play and so forth. So everyone operates differently when you have everybody in the room. Like I said, it's not always practical, but when you can do that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I love as well that, you know, kind of of everywhere in the world, London still has this pool for the composers to come and record, be it at Abbey Road or Air Studios. You know, they have a huge kind of, you know, unfortunately at the minute we can't, we can't do that sort of thing. But um, the amount of people that I speak to who, oh yeah, when we recorded at Air Studios or when we recorded at Abbey Road Studios like that, oh my God, it's amazing that everyone comes to London to do it. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I love London in general, but... Abbey Road, I remember the first time I walked into it, it was like a holy place. They were like touching the walls and like walking. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's incredible. And it doesn't get old, you know, no matter how many times you go there, every time you're like, oh my God, I'm here. You know, 
yeah it's, it's incredible yeah absolutely same what are you working on anything at the minute i know obviously it's kind of such a tricky time for for everyone at the minute um people finding ways of 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 staying creative and and working on you know if there are projects on the go you are you working on anything at the minute i have a couple of things that i'm working on that i uh can't quite talk about yet and then um we also had some more things for for disney world that you know a lot of things are on pause at the moment with everything that's going on so some things are on pause and some other new things are coming my way which is exciting yeah awesome well maybe when we're allowed out and you come across next to record let me know and i'll come and hang out make you a cup of tea at abbey road or something (laughs) I would love that very much. I'll I'll come to where you live because like yeah, I just come love. Here. You can stay here and then you can commute into London to do your to do your work. Yeah, definitely. I would love that. Done. Done. Okay. Cool. Sort it. <laughs> so great to chat to you. Um, I'm such a fan, and I'm so excited to see what's next as well. And go get some sleep. And thank you so much for your time, Pinar. You take care. Likewise, thank you so much. Lots of love. Bye. From the score to the Pixar short Pearl, that's the title track. Rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with composer Pinner Toprak. Before we go, though, a word from our friends at Gymshark. Now, Gymshark's not only a conditioning brand dedicated to creating functional training wear, but it also strives to build passionate, empowered communities with a shared love of fitness and personal well-being. They formed back in 2012 in a garage in Birmingham and now connect with a worldwide family of over 15 million people in over 150 countries. Now, in these times of continued isolation, I'm finding it more and more important than ever to try and get some exercise. It's good for me physically, but also I really notice how much it benefits me mentally. Now, I've been doing a couple of runs every week on a good week, conditioning my mind and body with a little bit of yoga and also trying to do PE with my kids from tennis to football to athletics to cricket pretty bad at all of them. I find the motivation to do my best though comes from wearing comfortable, empowering and practical clothing. That's why I'm a huge fan of Gymshark and their brand. Gets me in the mood to push myself that wee bit further. For more information and to check out the range, head over to gymshark.com forward slash Edith Bowman. That's gymshark.com forward slash Edith Bowman. Many thanks to Pinar for taking the time to talk to us for the podcast. Captain Marvel is available on Disney Plus now and is a cracking addition to the franchise with her score available across all the usual platforms. As I mentioned, this is our 200th episode and you can catch up on every single one of those episodes if you head to edithbowman.com or indeed your preferred podcast provider. Please do subscribe and rate us if you get a chance and tell your mates as well. You could also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please do keep spreading the word if you like what you hear. 
I'm also putting together a little weekly show on our YouTube channel and this week, episode 10, you can catch Orlando Weeks, previously of the Maccabees, talking about his solo album. You have Himesh Patel talking about his new BBC drama, The Luminaries, also yesterday and the forthcoming Christopher Nolan film that may well be the first thing we're going to see at the cinema, Tenet can't wait and also the fabulous Amelia Warner who's featured on the podcast in the past from one of our live BFI events so please do go and look that up if you get a moment and subscribe if you can next up you are gonna want to watch this film on Netflix that stars Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams it was for me the perfect tonic that I needed right now in this crazy world that we find ourselves in and I have the pleasure of chatting to the director of that film as well as many other things like Wedding Crashers the wonderful David Dobkins I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then in the meantime stay safe (laughs) 